This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Praise God. Well, it's great to see all of you. Hallelujah. It's good that we can be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, six of you, six of you are excited about it. How about the rest of you? Hallelujah. You know, some folk, they're not, they're not meeting. And uh, so you ought to be happy. Glory to God that we can gather in the name of Jesus and praise God, lift up our voices, our hearts, our hands to him, magnify the king, glory to God, and, uh, you know, make a difference in the world in which we're living. Hallelujah. You know, here recently, uh, some of you may or may not have been aware of this, one of the churches in Atlantic was broken into and was robbed. And um, so we, uh, we called them, actually, Pastor Brian called them and asked them about the needs that they had. And of course, you know, when you get everything taken, then you ain't got much. So we took a bunch of our equipment. We just happened to be a little bit uh, overloaded on equipment. Aren't you glad, praise God, for plenty? And so we, we uh, uh, I don't know how it worked out. I wasn't a part of it, but we hauled a bunch of stuff up there and put them back to church for the next week. How many of you know the devil's a liar? Yeah, amen. Do you, do you know that couple? Is that the couple that was, has been here for meetings and things? Praise God. Good. So anyway, um, we just gave the devil a black eye. Hallelujah. You know, I mean, he is defeated. Isn't that right? You know, and some of you, we mentioned this before. Um, Joan and I had the privilege of going out to Montana and spending uh, some time with about 150 other preachers and their wives and families and things of that nature from all over the northwestern part of the, the uh, United States. And uh, we, met it, we ran into a, a couple, uh, Jim and Faye Andrews, and they've been missionaries to Peru for, uh, oh, I don't know, 35 years, most of their life anyway. And uh, anyway, they were talking about, you know, with the whole virus business, they ended up here in the U.S. Their son was still there in Peru. And I tell you what, you guys, this couple has turned that nation upside down for Jesus. But they're in such a lockdown, you know, a lot of the pastors, and I, I can't even begin to tell you how many churches that they have given birth to all over that nation and throughout that part of the world. And um, so anyway, he was mentioning that after, well, in March or something like that, when everything got locked down, shortly after that, he had sent 10000 U.S. dollars to his son so that he could make distribution to the pastors that um, uh, were there because they... They weren't meeting, they didn't have church, and you're talking about an indigenous people that, you know, are not necessarily terribly wealthy, and so they sent that money to them. Well, while we were there in uh, Montana, they said that they were going to have to send another 10000 and we're out on this four-wheeler, you know, rolling down the hill on this ranch someplace in the middle of nowhere, you know, and, and uh, I just thought, you know, uh, I think we need to get in on this. So I told them that we would send them money, which we did. We sent them $5,000 to help uh, with a bunch of pastors. So you got, I guess the reason I share it with you is, is because you, you, you've got some seed in Peru, whether you realize it or not. Hallelujah. And you know, whenever you sow seed in good ground, you always get a good harvest. Amen. And so there's a lot of things like that that we're doing. You know, um, uh, I could go on and tell you all kinds of stories about stuff we've been involved with. Uh, I was just looking through the records, you know, of uh, giving this year versus last year. And we actually have uh, generated more revenue this year than we did last year. So, ha-ha, devil. Amen. Yeah. And, and not only that, but we didn't do our men's event. We didn't do our women's event, which the two of them probably represent, I don't know, f- uh, budgets of maybe 45 I don't know if it'd make 50000 or not. But anyway, I just want to celebrate your generosity. And I just appreciate all of you out to give yourself a great big round of applause. Amen. Praise God. Amen. <clears throat> so if anybody asks, you just tell them we're not going under, we're going over. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're living in the last days. And Jesus is coming again. Praise God. The Bible says to lift up your heads, not let them hang down, because your redemption draws nigh. You know, when Jesus came the first time, the Bible tells us that there were people that were looking for, did you hear me? They were looking for the redemption in Israel. So in other words, they had their gaze 
fixed on the promises that God had made that he would send a redeemer, that he would send a Messiah. And for those that were looking, isn't it interesting that they became instrumental in the narrative that we now have as the Bible, the New Testament and the Gospels, they got written in the book. How many of you like to get written in the book? You know, well, there's a book called the book of Acts or the book of action. How many of you know that that book's still being written? Now, we don't, it's not being, you know, necessarily recorded here on earth, but listen to me, it's being recorded in heaven. So praise God if you want to get your name in the book. Then do things that they did in the book of Acts and you'll be there. And then when we're all sitting up in the grandstands and the rewards are being handed out and we're celebrating one another's involvement, you know, within kingdom business, you know, and just cheering each other on, praise God, up will come your name. Yeah. Hallelujah. And all of heaven will rejoice. You say, well, you think it's really going to be that way? Why wouldn't it? Hallelujah. We're all going to be there, praise God, everyone that knows Jesus. Amen. It's going to be glorious. So you got a lot to look forward to, don't you? I said you got a lot to look forward to. Praise God. You say, well, pastor, I'm glad that you're so excited about pie in the sky, but you haven't been living with me lately, and you don't know what I'm going through, and you don't know what I'm having to deal with. Well, that, that could be right, but praise God, I got good news. Huh? We win. You will win. Yeah, amen. Praise God. So anyway, uh, let's get into this. Y'all bring your Bibles with you or some kind of device that you're using? Let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Now, you are ready, aren't you? Because uh, I'm probably going to challenge you. If you came to hear a social gospel, uh, you, you, <laughs> you're in the wrong house. <laughs> huh? um, no, I praise God want to challenge you in your faith. Glory to God. You know, the Bible says that we are the salt of the earth, that we're the light of the world. So we ought to be salt and light. Amen. There ought to be a distinction between the believer and the rest of the world. Amen. Uh, how about how about the rest of you? I really need some engagement here, you know. Don't go, be going to sleep. I know it's 9.45 when we start now, but you're going to be okay. Most of you are up with the chickens anyway, you know. So uh, some of you, you can't, well, I don't need to get into all that. Hallelujah. Look with me, if you would, here at this verse of Scripture. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, his, his name became Abraham, but he said to him, get out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make your name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, I will curse him that curses you, and in you all families or nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now notice the first part of verse 4. So Abraham did what? He did what? He departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And then, of course, his uh, nephew Lot went with him. So Abraham departed. So God approaches this man. And he says, I want to do something significant in your life. I want to bless you. And I want to give you a land that I will show to you, hallelujah, and, and uh, you'll be blessed. Everybody that, you know, blesses you will be blessed. Everybody that curses you will be cursed, hallelujah. And in you, every nation of the earth will be blessed. And so he took off. Now, how many of you know it takes a little faith to do that? Huh? I mean, to leave your surroundings, the things that are comfortable, that which you know, all of the things you know that, that are, you know, uh, mainstays within your life. And then all of a sudden, God shows up and says, hey, there is a place that I want to take you to. Hallelujah. And so this is what will happen if you decide to buy in. Glory to God. You know what I mean by buying in? And... Uh, <clears throat> I'll bless you. Praise God. And so the Bible says this guy, he departed. He took off. You know, in the book of Hebrews, and I'll just read this quickly here, in uh, Face Hall of Fame, chapter 11, it says it this way. 
It says that by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed. Everybody say obeyed. How many of you know you got to obey God if you're going to get the blessing of God? Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. And it says he obeyed and he went out not knowing where he went or where he was going. How many of you know we don't all know where we're going? But you know, wherever it is that God is leading us, guess what? The end thereof is filled with reward. It's filled with blessing. It's filled with goodness. And it's his plan for your life. And so a fundamental concept, you know, within biblical study and understanding what, you know, the will of the Lord is for you is that God has a place that he wants to take you to. Now, in the nation of Israel, he took them to a land that flowed with milk and honey, the promised land, the land that actually God was talking about with this man called Abraham. So there's a place he wants to take us, but how many of you know it takes faith to go there? It takes faith to get there. Somebody comes and pitches you the gospel and says, God has a plan for your life. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for you. And that if you'll call on the name of the Lord and repent, you can be saved and have everlasting life because God wants to take you to heaven. Well, of course, you got to believe that. Huh? you got to buy in. You have to say yes. There's a, a cost, if you want to call it that, which is really no cost at all, and that is you have to surrender. So many people don't make a decision for Jesus Christ because they think it's going to cost too much. Well, I can tell you right now that the cost is insignificant compared to what it is that you'll pay on the back end if you don't take him up on his word. Are you listening to me? So there is a place that God wants to take you. It takes faith to get there. And guess what? You have a choice. Nobody's going to make that choice for you. My mom and dad didn't make that choice for me. Matter of fact, my mom and dad didn't know Jesus. So they weren't, they weren't pushing me in that direction. They were just, you know, doing life just like everybody else, trying to eke out a living, you know, try to get a little, you know, fun out of the deal as we're on the way. But they were lost. The Bible says if our gospel is hid, it's hid to those that are lost. Because the God of this world has blinded the minds of men and women so they don't even know the truth. I didn't know the truth. I'd grown up in a mainline denominational church. You know, I had all the pins, you know, to prove my, my attendance. But it wasn't getting me one step closer to the kingdom of heaven. Are you listening to me? Because, you know, you can attend church, you can be a member of church, you can be baptized in water, but if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you're on the outside looking in. And thank God you don't have to. Because, like I said, you can call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. <clears throat> There's a place He wants to take you, but are you willing to go? You know, he said, Jeremiah used it often, 29 and 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and give you a future. Now, that's a good deal. You know, when we read about Abraham's deal, I mean, it was a good deal. He said, if you get out amongst, from amongst your countrymen, he says, I'll take you, I'll, I'll, I'll lead you to a place, I'll show you a land that you can inherit for yourself. And I'll bless you, praise God, and I'll make your name great. And all of the families or nations of the world will be blessed in you. That's a good deal. Well, you know, when Jesus came to this earthborn existence, he made a deal to you and to me that if we would call on his name, praise God, not only could we be saved, but we could have life and have it more abundantly. But you know, when you, when you make the decision, sometimes you have to give some things up. You say, well, I don't think I want to hear much about that. Well, whatever it is he's asking you to give up, you don't want anyway. Are you with me? Well, if I get saved, I have to stop running around with my beer drinking buddies. Yep. Yeah. If I get saved, you know, I can't smoke pot and do drugs and all that. Yep. 
He just wants to clean up your life and save it, give it back to you. Those things kill, steal, and destroy people's lives. Oh, but they're fun. They're this, they're that. They'll still kill you. Are you listening to me? Because they're, they're couched within a lie that culture knows more than God does. How many of you know culture doesn't know nothing? Huh? The whole Bible says that the whole world lies in wickedness and darkness. They don't have a clue. But thank God we have the privilege of knowing the truth. Amen? Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Aren't you glad for the word of God? He said he would guide us with his counsel and afterwards receive us into glory. We just talked about it. We were saying about it this morning. Huh? He said that your word is a light unto my path. Glory to God. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. He said the entrance of his word gives light. It gives, it gives understanding to the simple. I'm telling you, the Bible, my friends, is a treasure trove. Hallelujah. And, it, and it's where you and I discover God's plan for our lives. Glory to God forevermore. Amen? So, you know... <clears throat> I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm telling you, you know, there's nothing more exciting than doing the will of God. It may not be popular. You know, you may take some heat for it. You know, you might be criticized or persecuted or whatever, but I'm telling you what, who cares? I said, who cares? I said, who cares? Well, a lot of people do, unfortunately. We're too, we're too concerned about, you know, what our social, you know, uh, relationships might think about it, you know, might have to give up some friends. I went through that. Did you all go through that? Sure. But I tell you what, what friends I have today, I'm telling you what, they're faithful, they're true, they have integrity. Praise God, they're there for you, huh? Come on. You know, those folks that we had before, they didn't do that. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's exciting to be in the will of God. There's, there's nothing more exciting than being in the will of God, and there's nothing worse than being out of it. Come on, any of you ever been out of the will of God? That is not a place you want to be. The Bible describes it as a wilderness, huh? Come on. You know, when, when, when God chose Moses to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt, he kind of got the cart ahead of the horse. And he ran off, you know, and, and he ended up in the middle of nowhere. And then God had to go out there and find him and do a burning bush thing and say, no, 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 come on back here. We got something we got to get done. Huh? You don't want to be in that place. There's a place that God wants to take all of us. And it's always found within the will of God and obeying God. Am I in the right house this morning? Hallelujah. You know, so you have to ask yourself the question, am I, am I following Jesus? Now, we're going to get down the short roads right now. Am I following Jesus? Am I where he sent me? Am I doing what he asked me to do? Hallelujah. Am I in the place that he has for me? Well, it's a sobering question, isn't it? Or questions. But it's one worth asking. Because if we're not where he wants us to be, guess what? We need to go there. There's a place called there that you need to be in. Hallelujah. You know, um, Jesus, in talking with his disciples, you know, it's an interesting thing because he just filled both their boats full of fish and liked to sink, sunk the whole deal. And he said, you just follow me and be, I'll make you a fisher of men. How many of you know that disciples are made? But you can't become a disciple if you don't follow him. Are you with me? And the Bible says, listen, listen, the Bible says that they went to the shore and they dropped their nets and they walked away from all of that and they followed him. How many of you know that cost them something? Huh? But there was something undeniable in front of them called the Lord Jesus Christ that wanted to lead them and take them to a place that he had planned for them. And sometimes you have to drop everything else and you got to go for it. Abraham, you know, when he came to him, he said, 
leave all this, take off, I'll show you where I want you to go. Now, you know, a lot of people think you're nuts. You know, oh, you're just being fanatical. You know, I mean, really? You know, you're going you're gonna to go on a mission trip? Don't you know there are bugs there? You want to do what? But I tell you what, there's such great reward when we follow Jesus. I think about Patty and Kelly Dunnick. You know, when they got out of Bible school, and we support them, of course, and we've, we've sent tens of thousands of dollars to them. And here's this young couple that go all the way into the South Pacific to Samoa and Fiji and all of those places there in the South Pacific and start a work to, to make a difference in the world that those people live, the indigenous people of Samoa. And I'm telling you what, they have turned that world upside down. We just got an email from them here. I mean, they had 435 people saved. I think it was in, was it in Fiji? And how do you say that? I don't know. Vanuatu? Is that close? That's close enough. You know, <clears throat> here's this woman. She, she loses her husband, Kelly. He goes home to heaven. But she keeps on going. You know, most women would just go back home. She grew up in Connecticut. No, she didn't do that. She, she falls in love with, you know, one of the uh, men there, James uh, Samoan, and just keeps right on going. Glory to God. Are you listening to me? No, there's a place that God wants to take all of us. Now, maybe that's not your deal. I mean, you know, but there are rewards when we follow him. You know, when my wife and I, she was 21, I was 22, the Lord spoke to us and said, we want, I want you, too, to start a church. I want you to start a great church. We said, okay. That wasn't exactly the response that I gave to him in the beginning. We didn't know. But we wanted to obey God. I remember when we had to sit down and tell her parents that we were going to get married, and then I was going to go to Bible school. I can remember her dad sitting there looking at me going, how are you going to make a living? How many of you know when you haul somebody's daughter off into God only knows where, the dad would like to know how this is all going to work? And I said, well, I'll get a job. And I did. I'd go to school in the morning. I'd go to work all afternoon and into the night. I'd come home and study. I'd sleep a little while. And then I'd get up and I'd go do it all over again. I'm going to obey God. I remember one night I was so tired and I had to get up and go to the bathroom well, what I didn't know is, is that <laughs> my wife had to go to the bathroom, too, ahead of me. So she had already went down the hall into the bathroom, did her stuff, come back, and I'm walking down the hall, and I am half asleep, okay? Well, she sees me coming. I didn't see her. It's in the middle of the night, Jeff. It's dark. She sees me coming. Well, so what she decides is, is he is not going to stop. I can see that. So she steps aside, you know, so that I can pass by, well, what she didn't think about and realize is, is this apartment we had had a floor heater in it, okay? And it had a grill or a grate, you know, over that heater, and it had been running. This is the middle of the night. So when she steps onto it, I am right next to her, and when she steps onto it, she screams. <laughs> huh? It did blister her foot, that's right. I'll give her that. But you know, when you're in a dead sleep just trying to, you know, get things so you can, you know, ah! <clears throat> All in order to obey God, hallelujah, amen? But we said yes. I was 18 days into my 23rd birthday when this church was born. And boy, did we run into challenges. It was great for about six months. You know, I mean, everybody was just, you know, peace, love, dove. And then church government became an issue and money became an issue. And who's going to control it? And then all hell broke loose. Happens all the time. Hallelujah. Late John Osteen said one time, he says, you know, I figure out a long time ago that somebody's going to run the church. It's either going to be some longhorn deacon or some, you know, long-haired woman. And he said, I just decided it was going to be me. 
I like John's idea. Amen. God put pastors in the church to lead the church. Amen. The Bible says, feed the flock of God, taking the oversight thereof. Now, you know, it's not without accountability or anything like that, and that's not really my subject here, but, but you know, uh, it, it was so challenging, so heartbreaking. So many things that we went through. People left the church, you know, over this, that, and the other, because they didn't want a biblical church government. They wanted a bunch of, you know, basically business people to control and run the church. Well, you know, there's people that have been ordained to be kings, and there are those that are supposed to be priests, kings and priests. You with me? The kings are out there doing what they do. They generate income. The priests are the ones that are running the church. Well, they wanted to run the church. We got into a deal right away, you know, when it came to, you know, the property that we wanted to buy. The Lord had spoke to me, and he said, the, the church will not be in this community. But they wanted the church in that community because they just happened to have a piece of property that they needed to sell and they thought the church could buy it and then that would offload it for them. Ooh, we might have a motive problem here. What do you think? Well, so we end up in this cornfield. Now, that don't make no sense, but here we are. And over the past four decades, my, what the Lord, the Lord has done. Are you listening to me? So, yeah, you know, the thing about it is, is on the road to there, you're going to face some challenges, child of God. There's stuff that God is going to want to get out of your life. There's things that God is going to want to put into your life. There are things he's going to want you to do. But I tell you, there's great reward in our obedience. Amen. You know, and so, so here's the thing, you know, even though you face the challenges, you keep following. Huh? You know, Joshua said, I want you to make up your mind. Choose who you're going to serve. Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve who? We're going to serve the Lord. And some of you, you're in marriages and, and, and you're fired up about Jesus and your spouse is not. Oh, I know. Shouldn't talk about that. I mean, you know, that's, that's getting right down there where the rubber meets the road. Well, it's just true. You know? But dear friend, if you're the one that's on fire for God, you ought to stay on fire for God, and hopefully somebody will light a match for somebody else. Now, we're not in competition with one another, but I tell you what, praise God, sometimes the road or the path that we have to walk down can be difficult. That's why the Bible says we're to pray for one another, why we're to forbear one another in love, where, you know, where we, 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 we take the high road. Are you with me? Woo. Got quiet, baby. Start the car. Hallelujah. You will face challenges, but I tell you what, praise God, you cannot not get blessed by obeying God. Am I in the right house? Huh? Sure. And here's the thing about it. You know, you have to keep following God. He's taking you down there and say, that's where I'm going. Are you with me? And here's the thing you need to understand. He's leading, you're following, you're in this challenge, and he's looking back saying, I know, I know, I've already been past there. Just keep coming. I'll bring you out to the other side. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Such a, you know, it's, it's such a blessing. But let me ask you, are you following him in your marriage? Are you following him in your parenting? Are you following him in your serving you know, the kingdom of God or the church or whatever? It's, a, it's an important question. Well, you know, it's really not my problem, you know. I mean, our marriage would be a whole lot better, you know, if this other person over here would just straighten up. Really? That's an interesting tune you got going there. How many of you know it takes two people to make a good marriage? You can have heaven on earth, baby, if you want to, if you're willing to obey, if you're willing to lay down your life and get rid of self, and do something that can make a difference in the life of that other person, that you can lift them up, that you can bless them, that you can find out what makes them tick. And guys, you've got a lot of work to do. Hallelujah. Because when, <laughs> when you figure that out, let me know. Well, I'm, I'm, on, my, I'm on my way. i got a few things figured out. Ladies, they can, I mean, you know, you're in the same boat. You're going, my God, you know, he's strange. Well, no, he's just a guy that needs a lot of help. And the women said... 
Yeah, there you go. Okay. Praise God. Are we following Him? Are we doing what it is He wants us to do? If we follow God, if we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to end up in the place that He wants to take us. Glory to God. We mentioned Abraham, but again I say, yeah, it takes faith to do this, but oh, the rewards. The rewards. Hallelujah. Last year, I think it was last year, this whole thing's got everything all jacked up. I'm not sure. I think in, in last year, we, we took a trip, or we made an announcement. Pastor Glenn says, we're going to take a group of people to Samoa, you know, and we're going to go down there, and we're going to work on a boat for 10 days. And we had taken, we'd put together $10,000, bought a whole bunch of tools, threw them all in a crate, and sent them there because they didn't have any of them. I tell you what, it was Christmas in Samoa when that crate showed up. Hallelujah. It was a big old burly Samoans going, oh, yeah, hallelujah. And when it was all over with, we left them there. All the stuff, we just left it there for them. But, so, Pastor Glenn says, we're going to take this trip. If you'd like to get involved, you can, and we'd love to have you. Well, first of all, you know, it takes a little money to get to Samoa. How much was that trip, Brian? A few thousand. Well, a few thousand. Okay, three. Yeah. Well, 3,000 bucks is, it's not chump change, is it? No, it, it costs. But I remember there was two women, Rachel Gard and uh, Karen. Carolyn. She's not here. Dawkins, is that her last name? Yeah. And Rachel. And they're sitting in the church service and they say, they hear something. And the Lord says, I want you to go. Now, she's got two kids, single mother, raising them kids, three kids, okay. Two, three, don't matter. <laughs> yeah. Karen Dawkins, okay. she's, I don't know, um, she's re retired age, would you say that's fair? And the Lord speaks to her heart and says, I want you to go. She's a seamstress, and she can basically sew anything, and this boat needed a whole bunch of curtain work and all this and that and the other and whatever. And it says, I want you to go. Now, is there a risk in that? Is there a cost to that? But I tell you what, praise God, those two women along with Brian and my son-in-law and a bunch of other, I don't know who all went on that trip. But they went down there and they blessed that ministry. But as much as they blessed them, they got blessed. Let me ask you, Rachel, did that, cha that trip change your life? <laughs> don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. You know, there's rewards when you obey God. Are you listening to me? You know, I think about Jim McAlexander. How many uh, missionary trips have you taken, Jim? A dozen. And he just got back from where is it that you? Uganda. He was going to go, and I don't remember what happened. It all got, you know, jacked around, but he, he eventually went, and he went down there to help these people learn how to uh, farm commercially, you know, and there was other things, ministry and, and meetings that they had and so on and so forth. But it costs something to do that. There's, there's a part of your life that you have to advance. Now, I'm not saying that the next, you know, thing that you should do is take a missionary trip. I'm just saying that, that, that heaven whispered to the heart of these people and they said, yes. You might be working in a store, you might be in a store, and God may whisper to you and say, I want you to go talk to them about me. You have a choice, huh? But it could be a, a game changer for their life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He said to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Hallelujah. So, so you know, there's a place that he wants to take us, but we have to be willing to follow you know, God doesn't, you know, many of you, you're discouraged and you're depressed and you're just like, you're in this funk. I'm telling you, God wants you to get out of that. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but in righteousness, joy or peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. We need to get our joy back. Hallelujah. We need to stir up the gift of God. And I think what happens is, is we're looking at the wrong thing too much of the time. Come on. So we get all in this funk and we don't know what we're doing. Well, I tell you what, let's refocus. 
And let's look at things, praise God, that make a difference in our lives. You know, God wanted to take a generation of Israel into a promised land, and He couldn't get them there. And it wasn't His fault. He had them right up on the threshold and said, this is it, baby, we're going in. They said, no, uh-uh. Let me ask you a question. How, you know, how many of you uh, are familiar with these names? Shamua, Shaphat, uh, Egal, Oshia, Palti, Gladadel, I think, Gadai, Amarel, uh, Nabai, Gurel. Any of you are familiar with these people? Know anything about them? Do any of you know uh, Joshua or Caleb? Sure, we all know them. You know why? Because praise God, they were people of faith. They were people that had another spirit about them. The other ten guys that I just mentioned to you, we don't hear about them. You know why? Because they said no to the will of God. And not only that, but they caused a whole generation of people to miss out on the blessing of God. I'm telling you, you better be careful about the crowd that you're listening to. And that's especially important today, my God. Yeah. Am I in the right house? I keep asking you that because I just want to make sure. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Y'all glad you came? Numbers chapter 13. Lord spoke to Moses in verse 1, and he said, I want you to send men that they may search the land of Cana, now notice this, which I give, which I am giving, some of your translations, to the children of Israel. Now let's ask ourselves an important question. What was the will of God in this particular situation? He wanted to take them into the land of promise, didn't he? He says, I'm going to give it to them. But how many of you know that those people had to possess that land? The same thing's true with you, my friend. Jesus Christ came, bled, died. We sang about it, was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. He said, all power and authority is given to me, both in heaven and on this earth. I have the keys, baby. Hallelujah. Now you go in my name. Are you listening to me? There is a place I want to take you to. But you've got to go possess it. Sometimes you've got to, you know, you have to kill the giant of addiction. You have to kill the giant of alcoholism. You have to kill the giant of pornography. You have to kill the giant of hate. You have to kill the giant of anger. You have to kill the giant of jealousy. You have to kill the giant of envy. Otherwise, you're not going in. Then you can blame people, blame others, blame God, blame all kind of whatever, you know, come up with all kinds of excuses. Guess what? That doesn't work. I said, that doesn't work. Oh, God, help us to turn our hearts toward Him. You know, God said, oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would obey my voice and do my will so that I could bring them into this land. And He couldn't get it done. Well, praise God, dear friends, don't let that be said of you. I mean, if He wants to do something, say yes. Everybody say yes. yes. Just say yes. Glory to God. And so, you know, God, He's given us His life. He, he gave us His life as an open door, an invitation for us to, to walk into salvation, to walk into deliverance, freedom, joy, peace. But you got to go possess it. You know, when the preacher stands up and says, you don't have to live like this. Praise God, believe it. Well, no, you know, I don't know. Uh-uh, no, nope, 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 nope. Well, then you'll miss out. Thank God life does not have to be a drudgery. Life can have joy in it. 
You have to choose. Sometimes, you know, I mean, if we would just shut our mouths, we'd be better off. Just stop allowing some of the stuff that comes out of your mouth. Get you in such trouble. Hallelujah. The Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, so that the blessing, everybody say the blessing, so that the blessing of Abraham can come upon us, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's what the Bible says. He said, the thief only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I came so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. But abundant life is life that is done His way. When we say yes. You know, you can hold a grudge all you want. I mean, you can hold a grudge all your life. And you'll be soured. And your thinking and your view will be jaded. God didn't do that. He didn't have anything to do with that. You chose that. Are you with me? <laughs> sure, gets, sure gets quiet when you start talking like this. It was true. No, we don't want to, we don't want to think about the fact that, that we're the ones. You hold the keys. Did you hear me? You hold the keys to your life. Well, no, I was mistreated. I was abused. I was this, I was that. Lots of people have been there. But I'm telling you what Jesus is able to redeem. You know, man, maybe you grew up on the wrong side of the fence. Maybe you didn't have... I mean, I grew up in an alcoholic family. My dad drank whatever it is we... Whatever he, he got, he drank it. He went on fishing trips. He left everybody else in the weeds. He always drove a fine car. But my mother lived in a shack. She lived in a dump. Both porches were about to fall off. When you walked in the back door of our house, you know, there were no uh, uh, floor joists left underneath it. So the whole thing would just kind of bounce like this till you got in the house. <clears throat> but I ain't, I ain't singing no sad song, man. I mean, you know, when you're a kid growing up, it just is what it is, right? You don't think nothing about it. Huh? This is how we roll. But then I met Jesus. And he said, you don't have to live that way. Praise God. I, I can't tell you how often I walk through my house, especially in the wintertime, and say, God, thank you for this house. Because I grew up in a place, man, it was just kind of in out of the wind. Had one of those little oil burners in the living room, and the further you get away, guess what? The colder it gets. Huh? And maybe some of you did the same thing. I'm not whining. I'm just telling you that wherever you are, that doesn't mean you have to stay there. Are you with me? You can have better. I'm not crawling in some crawl space because my dad's got his head stuck down through the deal. He said, see them pipes over there, son? Take that torch over there and light it and start, you know, warming them up so that the water will run again. But even better yet, this is a lot of fun, is when you got to crawl underneath there because the pipes didn't quite make it through the freeze and there's a pool of water in there. Fun stuff. I remember my mother, not my dad, but my mother. She'd, she'd uh, tie a, a scarf around her, you know, to kind of get her warm and that type of thing. And we would be outside putting paper around the bottom of our house. First, I had to dig out from the foundation. And we put that paper in there and we'd use lath. And we'd nail this lath on there you know, to put this paper on there, and then when we got all done, we would we'd pile the dirt back on the bottom so that the wind wouldn't blow it off. Why'd we do that? Like I said, we were living in a shack just barely in out of the wind. But I ain't living in no shack right now. Huh? And I remember when we built that house 20-some years ago, and people go, my God, that's quite a house. Well, nobody knows about the other 23 years prior to that when we saved and we put away and we built and we advanced and we sold that property and we used it to parlay it on this one. I ain't going to apologize for it. God's not concerned about it. Why are you, your stingy outfit? <laughs> Hallelujah. I tell you what, God, I mean, you can have whatever you want. God doesn't care. People do. But he doesn't. Huh? I mean, man, if you want to build a house big enough for a landing strip on the roof, go for it. 
Somebody was telling me, uh, it's kind of a mutual down the road thing, you know, uh, about the people that own Johnsonville uh, Meats and <clears throat> the, the matriarch. Well, she ended up getting a divorce or something like that, but she ended up with a, country, a company and she built this company up. And she's 83 years old right now and she just got done building an 18,000 square foot house. I'm in that line. I mean, now that's thinking big. Huh? You say, why on God's green earth would a person 83 years old want an 18,000? I don't know. But you know, it ain't bothering her. Oh, I know who it is. It's, it's Joe Morris's daughter's, I guess she would be a grandmother to uh, her husband. To, to Joe's daughter's husband is part of the Johnsonville family. And this is his grandmother. She's 83. 18,000, you know, come on. Jason, you're going to have to, you know, broaden your, broaden your vision. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Jason, how many houses have you built? Six? Five. Well, time for a sixth one. Tanya, what do you think? No. Okay. All right. Let's look here a little bit more. We're, we're kind of running out of time here. So glad you came today. In chapter 13, he said, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give the nation of Israel this land. So he told them what to do. He sent these spies out. Let's drop into uh, verse 25. And it says, and they returned from searching the land after 40 days. Verse 26. And they went and they came unto Moses, Aaron, to the congregation of the children of Israel, to the wilderness Paran, to Kadesh, and they brought back word. Underline that. Unto them and unto the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. And they told Moses, they said to him, We came to the land where you sent us, and surely it flows, <laughs> glory to God, with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, and that word right there, man, that's changing everything. The people that be, uh, the people be strong that dwell in the land, the cities are walled. They're very great. You know, when the devil tells you you can't get delivered from drugs, he's lying to you. You'll never get out of this. You'll never be any different. You'll never make a change. You'll never be able to have. All of it's a lie. And so he said, oh, these people, you know, the cities are walled. Notice what, he goes, what, what they go on to say. And uh, let's see, in verse 29... It says, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, the Canaanites by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. Now, did you get that? It didn't say that he stilled the ten guys that were given this report. It says that he stilled the who? The people. You know why? Because when they started this, they said, we went and we checked it out and here's the fruit and everybody's excited until the word nevertheless. And then they began to give what the Bible says as an evil report. And I will guarantee you with two and a half million people standing around listening that all of a sudden there was this crescendo of noise and murmuring. Huh? And it wasn't like, glory to God, let's go get them. They said, my God, what are we doing? Moses, you took us out here. We'd rather be in Egypt. Don't murmur when it comes to your life. It'll get you nowhere. Are you with me? You may not understand. There was stuff when my wife and I started this church. I'm telling you, there's stuff we didn't understand. I said, God, you got to help us on this. We weren't that far down the road in the ministry of the church. And I tell you, we believe in victory. We believe that the angel of the Lord encamp around those that, you know, fear him. Are you with me? And we had a couple in our church, and they went to Kansas City for a weekend, ended up in a car accident, and lost one of their daughters. Now, to this day, I don't understand that, you know. But you know, so, so you can park there 
you know, and try to figure it out and all the nuances that go along with that, you know, or you can keep going. Huh? Now, there's a reason. I don't know what it is. He hasn't seen fit to tell me, but he's just told me, you keep going. Are you listening to me? We've, won- we've lost fine people prematurely within our church. And I don't have an answer for that, but he's told me to keep going. Keep preaching the word of faith. Keep preaching what it is I put in your mouth. Are you listening to me? Now, when we all get to heaven, I'm sure that there'll probably be an explanation if we even feel like we need it. But God is faithful. Are you listening to me? And sometimes you just have to leave things with him. The Bible says the things that are revealed to us belong to us and our children forever, but there are the secret things of the Lord that we don't know about. But if you're not careful, it can overthrow you. Well, you know, if he did that, then... You better stay with the Word. I said you better stay with the Word. I said you better stay with the Word. Are you with me? Now, you know, as we've grown and, you know, different things like that, you know, you kind of see things differently. But when you're young, I mean, shoot, we weren't even 30 years old yet. And guess what? <laughs> now, don't, don't, don't get mad at me, but when you're 30 or less, you're just trying to get things figured out. You don't know a whole lot. Now, you might think you do, but praise the Lord. Amen. Wait till you're 60 or so or 70 or whatever. 50, maybe. I don't know. We're lifelong learners, you guys. We don't know it all. I don't know it all. You know, have I made mistakes? Oh, boy. Don't ask my wife, okay? Just, (laughs) sure. You know, but we keep going. Hallelujah. So, anyway, um, he stilled them, and uh, Caleb said, let's go up at once and possess it. We are well able to overcome it. They're bread for us. If God's with us, he'll make it happen. And they shouted him down, and they picked up rocks, and they were going to kill a whole bunch. Well, then the judgment of God came and said, you're all going to, I'm going to judge you out of your mouth. You talk about wandering around in this wilderness, you know, until you die, and you wish you were back in Egypt. That's exactly what's going to happen. Be careful about what you say. Be careful about what you say. People want to blame God. It's a bad place to be. But you know what? You can repent. You say, well, I'm gonna, I don't need to repent. Oh, yeah, you do. Because you'll never know freedom until you do. Hallelujah. Well, this has gone a little bit different direction than I thought it would today. Hallelujah. <laughs> Um, I think what's important to see is this overarching theme that we find within the Word of God, within the Bible, and that is this. God wants to bless your life. That's why He sent Jesus. He sent Him. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3 and verse 26, it says, to you first God, having raised up His servant Jesus, sent Him to bless you. God wants to bless you. It doesn't make any difference you know, what's gone on in your life, what didn't go right in your life, all of the things, you know, that you can look back on historically about, you know, the things that went sideways or whatever, great tragedies, things that you, you know, you just, all of the stuff, at the end of the day, heaven wants to bless you. Think about Naomi, you know, she goes off, well, actually, uh, not Naomi, what was the gal's name? Ruth? Ruth. Yeah. And, and she marries, you know, this guy. He ends up dying. His brother ends up dying. The father ends up dying. The two girls and the mother are left. And, and you know, you talk about a sad state of affair. And finally, the mother says, why don't you just go back, see if you can find somebody or whatever. Well, the one girl, she said, I'll take you up on that. And she was gone. But this other gal had some kind of character on the inside of her, and she clinged to her. And she said, wherever you go, I'm going. And your people will be my people, and your God is going to be my God. So he took her back to Egypt. Or not Egypt, but back to to, uh, Judah, where she come from. Because she left because of a famine. Now, she had no real hope within her life. 
because here she is taking care of her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law instructs her how to go out into the fields and grab or uh, get the gleanings, the leftovers from the fields so they could eat. You talk about a bad spot to be in. But I tell you what, your character, man, will carry you and nothing else will. And so she went out there, praise God, and did what she did, and she gathered up what she could, and along comes this guy and says, who's that? Well, she's blah, 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 and whatever, whatever, and guess what? Pretty soon everything changed. Are you listening to me? I've had men and women in my church, you know, that have lost their marriages to divorce. It's hideous. It's terrible. I remember one time, you know, here I am again, I'm still a young minister and all this is going on. I don't even know what to tell the guy. What do you tell a guy when his wife runs off with somebody else? You know, go stupid. I mean, just, you know, and, and, and you're trying to bring comfort to that? What do, you, what do you say? You're sitting across and they're looking for answers. I mean, they're, they're as confused as anybody. And so I have to tell the guy, you know, I mean, thank God for the Holy Ghost, you know. I said I, I, I said, I don't know what to tell you, but I will tell you this, that if you'll do what God asks you to do and you'll walk in love, I said, God will redeem this situation in your life. And you know what? He did it. Shouldn't tell off on him, but I'm going to anyway. It's Tom Bates. And along comes Linda. And you talk about a gem. Huh? Woo! Glory to God! Huh? But you know, in the moment, you don't understand. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But I tell you what, if you'll walk with Him, i got to bring this to a close. You guys are really great, great, great listeners. Hallelujah. Don't follow the crowd. Spend your whole life wandering around the wilderness and end up in hell. Young people or younger ones, you know, that are here, you need to be followers of Jesus. You don't need to be followers of culture because they'll take you to hell. Okay? We live in a godless, you know, it used to be we lived in a God-fearing nation. We don't live in a God-fearing nation now. I mean, it, there are people in the nation that fear God. <clears throat> but there's a generation of people who do not. So don't you be swept away and taken into all of that because that's not where God wants you to go. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Well, I got a lot of other things that I could talk to you about, but let's not end up in the wrong place. You with me? Remember when I was a young kid, I'm going to close with this story. I was a young kid, and my dad take, took me out to cultivate. I don't even know if I was 13, 14 years old. I mean, I could just barely reach the clutch and the, and the brakes. But you know, somebody's got to cultivate, you know? So guess what? Get up there and get after it. And, and we had a four-row cultivator on an M, which is a big deal, okay? That doesn't mean much to you, but two rows, you don't get much done. Four rows, hey, we're making A. Hallelujah. And so he takes me out in this field, go on down this dirt road, you know, and there's pasture on this side and there's cornfield on this side, but you can't see the other end. And so he's driving along, you know, he's taking me out there and we're walking along and he's trying to figure out which rows go all the way through because he wanted me to go all the way to the other end of the, the <clears throat> field and then work my way to the south or down the hill because it was, it was uh, the contour of the ground and things like that was manageable and stuff. But so he's, he's looking this thing over and he decides, okay, these are the two rows and, and the, or these four rows and they will take you there, okay, to the other side. So I get to go on, you know, and I'm just happy as a lark, you know, I mean, after all, I'm cultivating, I'm a young little teenage kid, you know, and I'm doing all this and, and I get to the middle of it and it was up on this, on the, the crown of the hill and probably got an eighth of a mile or maybe a little better into it. And all of a sudden, my four rows, instead of going straight, go north. And <clears throat> as a result, I ended up on the steepest part of our farm. In other words, I was in the wrong place. And I didn't know how to handle it. You know, man, pretty soon I'm plowing more corn than I'm doing anything. I finally just pulled the cultivator out of the ground, turned the, turned the tractor, and went straight down the hill. 
Just went through all the corn, you know, and just found another couple roads so I could get back where I belong. See, if you go down, if you're going down the wrong set of rows where your life's concerned, it's going to take you to a place you don't want to go. And so you have to stop, you have to say no, and you have to choose another path. Because there's a place God wants to take all of us, amen? And it's full of joy. Amen. Amen. You know, if, you're not, if, if your road's not happy, you know, that could change today. Huh? Maybe you say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of being ornery. I'm going to stop being ornery. Now, you may not think you're ornery, but hopefully the Holy Ghost is telling you you're ornery. Huh? You can change that. I'm going to stop being critical. Come on. Criticism doesn't take you where you want to go, does it? You're going to stop being judgmental. We've got a lot of that in the body of Christ. You know, I can't tell you how many times I say, it's not my circus and it's not my monkeys. People have issues. I don't know if you realize that or not. And when you're a pastor, you know quite a bit about them. Now, it's only my circus and only my monkeys if I can help to solve the problem. But if people decide to go rogue, and they do go rogue, <laughs> they do, man. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Can't help that. Pray for them. Believe God. Do everything you can. Say, hey, man, get back in the sheepfold. You know, there's a huge number of people. <clears throat> the percentage of people that aren't coming back to church is horrendous. They're just not even coming. I talk to them all the time. I just talked to somebody this weekend. Well, I watch a bunch of, you know, preachers online, you know, just like, you know, um, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or whatever. Okay. And that's okay. I mean, that's okay. But when, when are you going to get back in the saddle? You know, it's time to get back in the saddle. Now, we don't have that problem because I think 90% of the people in our church are, are here, you know, and there's some, you know, with pre-existing conditions and things, you know, that are at risk. I get that. I have no problem with that. But there's a bunch of them, dude, they ain't nothing wrong with nothing, and they are not back here. Huh? Something wrong with that. That probably won't be real popular. But anyway. A lot of things I could say about that. Why don't you just stand up with me before I get in trouble? Praise God. You glad you came today, Nelson? Huh? Come on. Glory to God. Today's a new day. Hallelujah. Would you just bow your heads with me for just a moment? Father, we're so grateful to come today and be in this place. And Father, I just thank you for these precious people, every one of them, with their homes, their families, individuals that are here, Father. And all of us, Father, endeavoring to find our lives in you. We're so grateful, Father for what it is that you've done and the place that you have brought us to, and not only that, but where it is that you want to take us. God, we say yes to that plan. And we ask you, Father God, by your Spirit, speak to our hearts. God, I pray for those that are discouraged, those that are depressed. Father, those that have somehow or another just somehow lost their way. Father, I'm praying today, right now, a decision within their heart something that they're not having to figure out, Father, but just saying yes to you will bring about a change within their lives forever. I thank you for doing that, Father. For others that maybe have been harboring or holding on to things that, that, Father, are just unprofitable, God, I just thank you for helping them today to make a decision to let it go, to release whatever it is, Father God, that seems to be keeping them from going to the place that you want them to go. And Father God, I thank you for those that may be gathered here or either watching by <clears throat> Facebook or YouTube that maybe they don't know you. They've never asked you to come into their life and be the Lord of their life. I pray for them, Father, that they'll make heaven and miss hell, that they will receive what it is that Jesus did just for them. And I thank you for that. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you're here this morning... And, and by reason of this message, God has spoken to you about needing to make changes. I mean, there's just a stirring within your heart about an area within your life. And you say, God, 
I want to, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to make a change. Can I see your hand wherever you're at? All right. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes. Thank you. God bless you. Yes. Anybody else? We're going to make some changes. We're not going to harbor unforgiveness. We're not going to allow it to live in our lives. We're not going to allow strife to be a part of our conversation ever again. Is there anybody else here? Maybe you're here this morning. You never have asked Christ to come into your heart or be the Lord of your life. And you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I want to know him. I want to know Jesus so that I can get on the path that he has for me. Anyone this morning before we pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. All right. Well, Father, I just want to thank you that in these days and these weeks ahead of us, that God, you'll continue to speak to men and women's lives. Oh, God, my prayer for them, Father, is, is that you will not relent until they say yes, until they yield, until they surrender. I thank you, Father God, for your blessing in their lives to show them the path that you have for them. And Father, for those that responded here this morning, we say thank you. And we thank you, Father God, for your grace in their lives. As a congregation, pray this prayer with me out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I thank you for your amazing grace. I come without reservation. I give you all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind. Father, forgive me of my sin and my wrongdoing. I receive you and your plan that you have for me. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon the path that I'm about to take. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated.